0: Hey, welcome back to E-Crime Bites. This is Season 2, Episode 11, and this is Act 4 of Daniel Miller and her COVID loan fraud spree. Now, it's really hard at this point to catch you up with everything. I will do my best, but I will put a link here for our YouTube watchers, so that way you can go back to Act 1 if you haven't watched it yet. I do recommend doing that because there's a lot of details. But the minimum information you need to know is Danielle Miller is the criminal here. She applied for these Small Business Administration loans through victim names and got about $1.2, $1.3 million worth of fraudulent loans in the COVID era. And she was high rolling. She was on jets and out in Beverly Hills, California, in front of Rolls Royces and Birkin handbags. But eventually she was caught basically through Instagram posts and computer IP addresses and she pled guilty on March 6th of 2023 and that's where we last left you hanging. And now we're going to introduce what it is that is her punishment. So we get to September 11th of 2023 and this is not even a month ago from recording. And If you didn't catch us in our last act, I said one of the weird things was she pled guilty to everything she was charged for, which doesn't typically happen in the research that I go through. And here's another thing. In the sentencing, the defense says, hey, we want 60 months total. We want not only that, but they said we want it to run concurrent with her Florida five year sentence. So I went, holy shit, she's in trouble for five years in Florida on something else. Didn't even see that. This paperwork. But then the prosecution comes back and says, hey, we also want 60 months total. And I'm thinking, wow, the defense and the prosecution agreed on 60 months total. This is also a very odd case. You don't, typically the defense is like, ah, we want probation. (laughs) But they were starting at five years and they agreed to plead guilty to everything. So who knows the reason behind that? Now, when I was going through the whole sentencing hearing and the documents they submit in support of this, they highlight some things in her life as mitigating or aggravating circumstances, meaning something that you should give her leniency for or something you should give her a harsher sentence for. This is pretty interesting. So the government listed her having a quote-unquote unusually privileged upbringing as one of those reasons why you should give her a harsher sentence, because basically they're saying, you know, her life wasn't hard. So there was real, there's no real reason economically she had to go out and do this kind of thing because she was afforded more material advantages in life than the average person out there, and especially the average criminal defendant out there. But on the flip side, They say uh, she suffered from extreme trauma in her childhood so you gotta give her some leniency on that one and then they um came back and they said that she had some significant health issues that impacted her time in custody they didn't say it was like physical or mental or anything like that but that was one of these other things that they put into that list now going down this little punch list that they had of reasons why she get more and get less time I stopped at this one spot where the government says, you know, she had this record of committing fraud and it's not like she said I was sorry for it. She actually kind of went out and said, I'm proud of it. So they cite this one time that when she was on pre-trial release and she said to a journalist who you'd imagine is going to print this shit says, I more consider myself a con artist than anything. You know how they have a saying that you can sell ice to an Eskimo? If there's something I want, I'm getting it. And this came from an article called What Daniel Miller Learned at Horace Mann and Rikers in New York Magazine on February 9th of 2022. Probably didn't help her sentencing much.
1: Well, Horace Mann is a very fancy private school. And Rikers is, of course, a prison in New York.
0: And... I like this tidbit that they also put about this whole publication. They said the defendant posed for a photograph in the same article while lounging and smoking with her court ordered ankle monitor visible. And she didn't stop there. She then bragged in the article due to being locked up. Her Instagram account has quote unquote thousands and thousands of direct messages asking her what her telegram name is to work with her. Thousands Seth, thousands. She says, I'm so sought after, it's insanity.
1: Yeah, that's not even accurately English. So let's see what insanity looks like. On uh, 9-11 of 23, which is just last month at the time of this uh, this recording, we get her imprisonment. The defendant is hereby committed to the custody of the FBI, federal rules of prisons to be prisoned for a total term of, as we know, 60 months. That's uh, broken down between 36 months on counts one through three. And then another 24 months on count four and five. It's supposed to be held down in the Sarasota County, Florida, Circuit Court docket. So this ties to where she probably will be doing her time. The court makes a final recommendation. Defendant to be designated an institution commensurate with security where the Bureau of Presidents can afford appropriate medical care for the defendant's documented medical needs. So we know that she had a traumatic incident, but we don't know what it was if it's tied to that medical need um defendant will participate in psychological care for her mental health needs so she also will have supervised release for three years which is essentially three years of probation she has to report in to uh within 72 hours of release special conditions mental health treatment Um, she must use her true name (laughs) and she's prohibited from using any other false identifying information which would include an alias other false dates of birth false social security numbers or incorrect places of birth um, which is exactly what she was doing must pay the balance of any fine or restitution imposed. So we know that she had lots of that prohibited from incurring new credit card charges or opening additional lines of credit without the approval of the probation office. So that's another way to inhibit her ability to commit crime must provide the probation office access to any requested financial information, which may be shared with the asset recovery unit of the U.S. Turners. office. Basically, they own her ass, everything she does you shall be required to contribute to the cost of evaluation, treatment, programming, and or monitoring based on the ability to pay availability of third-party payments. So she has to contribute to her own uh, recovery financially. So she only had a $500 assessment in addition to the $1.2 million she has to pay back in restitution.
0: And that's it. We're at the end of the case. This is less than a month old. I'm trying to pick newer cases now. So This is hot stuff. try to make them fresh like this um so let's give you our final thoughts so here the government trusted self reporting and i don't i really don't know how the government could get around it because they had to give out loans very quickly in the covid era because it was something we couldn't predict because of that miller took advantage of it and you saw that she racked up a big bill and fraudulent loans five years for 1.3 million dollars in this case That's not real bad. That's kind of on par with our last few episodes where it's been in the million to two million mark for about four to five years in prison. Now, this whole time I'm researching this and I'm saving shit off to my hard drive very quickly because I'm like, I can't believe she still has pictures of her and the Rolls Royce and the handbag and all this shit up here. And I was saving it down because usually what happens is these criminals will get in trouble and then they're, like big rig baby he took his whole instagram profile offline after he got trouble right. so right. i couldn't believe her pictures are still up there if you haven't visited our i put these links if you go check out the word sources and then i have a link if you click in there i have links to the sources go check out our instagram and check out our other photos and see what you think did you have any extra thoughts seth
1: i mean this was interesting i think there's a whole we of cases we looked into about the misappropriation of SBA loans during COVID. Um, I think we're only scratching catch, the surface on that. I think this one was interesting just because she was so egregiously obnoxious about the crime and posting it on Instagram. I mean, you know, it makes following the money so much easier when you can literally see in the pictures where the person's staying and what she's purchased with her stolen money. Um, so it's kind of a, I don't know, a generational thing. I'm older. If I was going to steal money, I certainly wouldn't brag about it and put it all over the Internet um but that's just me but maybe that's kind of the point here is that you know she was a bit of a megalomaniac and wanted the attention and was proud of it I mean and you know we've seen that I guess in the last 20-30 years in certain social media and and more of a pop culture where it's kind of street cred to have done time and get arrested you know maybe she even listens to Razzle Khan's music who knows so um I thought that was interesting and uh at the same time kind of sad right it looks like she kind of for someone that had such a uh An obvious set of um benefits from an upbringing right you know in new york city private school clearly came from money i guess she was kind of banished to go live a life of mediocrity down in florida so this is maybe her way of getting back at whoever put her there it sounds like you know it wasn't all sunshine and puppies with her upbringing um i wish her well in a recovery uh when she gets out in five years
0: all right so with that if you liked anything in this episode please like subscribe whatever application you're on if you're on Apple Podcasts, five stars, right in the description, whatever episode you like the best. If you haven't been to our website, it's ecrimebites.com. Bytes, spelled the computer way. B-Y as in yellow milk, T-E-S. Now, I want to give you a real quick preview of what's coming next week. We're going to switch gears and talk about a slightly different crime. Still going to be electronic crime, but it's going to be different purposes. So it's called Hack to Trade Conspiracy with Vladislav Klyushin, and this guy hacked into places and then used information that he would gain before the public knew about it and then go use that valuable information on the stock market to make money from the hack that way and it's a completely different shift And how we've seen our criminals make money. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see how just different this type of attack is in comparison to the other ones that Seth and I have brought to you so far. So we look forward to you, you coming back and we'll bring you Vladislav on our next episode. Thanks.
1: Bye. Take care.